Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is Every Voice with Terrence McKnight. It's a new podcast from WQXR that interrogates the culture of our classical music scene. And we look at ways to make it more beautiful for all of us. In this series, we're looking at representations of blackness in opera. Now, if you've ever gone to see an opera, whether it's on or off stage, you don't really see an accurate representation of the world's diversity, our beautiful diversity. Can we just get lots of different colors on the stage and cast with great diversity and stop trying to put each race in its silo? These are big issues in in the opera business. That's Sylvia McNair. She knows firsthand her career as an opera singer spanned two decades. In this episode, we're talking about Mozart's The Magic Flute, one of the great operas of all time. And we're talking about the black man in the opera. His name is Monostatos. 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 Not a lot of people think that Monostatos' role is very sincere. Only the people who've played it. But we only sympathize for Pamina, for Tamino. Oh, it's great. Oh, they, he wants a wife and this and that. What about someone who just wants a friend? This is Rodel Russell. He's a tenor who sings the role of Monostatos around the world. How do we present it to people where someone who's born different alone wants to be part of something, part of a family, part of a couple, part of a group? This is Every Voice with Terrence McKnight. Many cultures, many voices, one people. In this episode, we'll hear from other singers who performed in the Magic Flute. One says the opera promotes healthy family values. Another says it offers important personal life lessons. Our exploration of this topic began at Morehouse College in Atlanta. That's where I went to school. It's where I first encountered opera in a serious way. So we're on campus right now. We're in the parking lot of the Ray Charles Performing Arts Center. When I was in school here, and even when I taught here, we didn't have this building. We, our music department was over there further onto campus. I sang in the College Glee Club. Those guys and the professors in the music department were like family for me and still are. The Glee Club was the musical ambassador for the college. This is the fourth episode in this series, and we've been talking about Monostatos as someone who was a cultural outsider, someone who just wanted to fit in, be a part of a group, someone who wanted some human affection. That's just pretty basic. Well, that said, we're inside the Ray Charles Performing Arts Center now on the campus of Morehouse. We're hoping to speak with Dr. Melvin Foster. He's one of the voice instructors and the professor directly responsible for preparing voice majors for operatic careers. Many of us have taken notice to a recent movement away from old models, statues, literature, curriculums, totems that don't affirm one's cultural identity or cultural value. That discussion pertains to some of the operas that are considered standard in the operatic repertoire. So we're going to speak with Professor Mel Foster about the relevance of the magic flute 
and how he prepares these young black men to take on roles that may not always represent their culture in a positive light. So this is, it's not homecoming, but it's always homecoming for me. It's always emotional for me coming back to Morehouse. Every time it gets me. It's like coming to see your family for a big holiday. You know, some of these corridors and the halls may be new, but they still all have the same feel as when I was here. These students in the practice rooms. How you doing, man? Are you in the Glee Club? Yes. Are you a second tenor? Oh, I'm sorry. So now we're on the second floor of the music building, and I'm here with my producer of the show, David Norville. Doing well, doing well. Doing well, come on in. For this program, and we're looking at four operas. We're looking at the role of Otello, mm -hmm. the role of Monastitos mm -hmm. in Magic Flute. We're looking at Aida, and we're looking at Asmin in Abduction. And I'll just say, you know, my concern is that when you have these operas where there's one Black character or one African character, one more, one representation of blackness on the stage, oftentimes that representation is something that's very akin to minstrelsy. How do you prepare your students to, to even embrace the music, man, where that becomes like the apex of a career? Yeah, so that's one of the difficult parts about teaching students to undertake a career like this. There's the thing of conveying to the student, cultivating the joy of singing and the power of expression. That power supersedes anything that is as superficial as skin tone. And I'll share with you that my underlying goal for all of them is that because they sing the best that they can, they bring the best that they can, that they'll be able to encourage others to think more broadly and widely about what are perceived performance practices. We're not in that time anymore, right? Society changes, and as society changes, so too must its art. Because the, the values of the people who are present, who are coming to that space, to share in the art form, their values are all different. You know, they've changed, they've evolved. I think it's important for the art form to evolve as well uh, in order to remain relevant. Now that we've all gone through Black Lives Matter, uh, or are going through it, I should say, I think more and more, we have more people aside from Black people or people of color who are becoming aware of what is wrong with that practice of blackface? The practice of blackface is on its way out, right? Well, perhaps some of those negative stereotypes about blackness will pack up too. The story of Magic Flute was written in 1791. It's written by an actor, Emmanuel Schikanator, who also owned a theater in Vienna. Both he and his theater were facing financial difficulties, and so was Mozart when they wrote this music that year. 
So the two men came together to write a comic opera, and it was hugely successful. And you know what made it so funny? It was the treatment of the outsider, the loner, the black guy Monostatos. He was laughed at for dancing. He was laughed at for doing his job. He was laughed at when he was punished. He was the buffoon. He was the comic relief. Traditionally, Monostatos is played by white actors in blackface. Over the past few decades, opera houses and directors have gotten away from that practice. In the eight or nine different productions I sang of the Magic Flute, not once was the Monostatos cast as a black man. It was just not going to be done. It was not going to be accepted. And that's, that's good because that was not the case 50, 60, 70 years ago. That's Sylvia McNair, whose 20-year career in opera took her around the world as Pamina, the princess in the magic flute, the one who Monostatos was guarding and had feelings for. But there is that issue of the word black in the libretto. The only time I ever sang the magic flute in English was at the Opera Theater of St. Louis. Every other time I sang the piece, we did it in German. I did it in Berlin, Vienna, Salzburg, places that are, how shall I say, not known for being woke. And every single time that line, that particular line, I actually have it right here because it's, it's a very troubling line. The word black is changed to slave. Okay, not a whole lot better, but um, he, he sings to himself, Pamina is not available to me because I'm a slave and a slave is ugly. I never heard it sung Schwarzer or black. It was always Sklave or slave. I never talk about my skin color as being black. I had never talked about her beauty as being white. I have played Monocitos colored green, blue, in a clown kind of uh, face. Something that shows them that it is ugly or not normal or weird. We have always substituted words appropriately. I think the only time that I have used the original was when I was still in college and it wasn't even in school. It was a outside of college local theater. That's one of the reasons why the skin tone of black is never used because we do not want to associate ugly or bad or weird with the black skin tone, which I do agree with, totally agree with. I think it just sends a different message. But the only thing that I lose, and uh, we talk about this in books, we still have to find a way to teach people how people thought back then. So we know what the consequences are. When people cancel certain books that teach history, yes, it can be offensive. But sometimes there are moments where we need to know why things are offensive now. Now, Rodell thinks we lose something when we don't look at things historically. I agree with him. But as long as millions of men and women still bear the brunt of racializing, racial injustice, racial profiling, 
then we got to do something to make some adjustments in our institutions and in our art. The idea of beautiful versus ugly, good versus evil, those are major themes in The Magic Flute. And when the only black guy in the opera strikes out at birth on both accounts, evil and ugly, oh, we got to continue to make some adjustments, making this art relevant for modern audiences. That's the goal, making the art beautiful for all of us. Dr. Foster, that Morehouse seems to think as a whole, there's been some progress. They are being more sensitive to the microaggressions that occur uh, in in art spaces. And that's whether it's the symphony or with ballet, um, you know, theater. People are more aware of what these miniature barbs do to people, right? To the person who's actually saying it, to the person who receives it, right? Often those things are received in silence, but those barbs burrow. They burrow deep into, not into our skin, but into our psyches. And they eat at us. They got your mind controlling now, right? They want to tell you what they want you to absorb. You're listening to Every Voice with Terrence McKnight. So glad you're here. I hope you'll stick around to hear from a couple of Magic Flute veterans. Stay with us. Movies, music, celebrities making bad choices. Crooked Media's weekly podcast, Keep It, has it all. Each week, culture experts Ira Madison III and Louis Vertel unpack the latest controversies, praise character actress appreciation, and share all the gossip in a week. Expect bold and unique queer commentary, award show grievances, and iconic guests like Billy Porter, Michelle Yeoh, Ariana DeBose, and Cheryl Lee Ralph. New episodes of Keep It drop every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Every Voice with Terrence McKnight. The singing you're hearing? This is the Morehouse College Glee Club. Most of these young men are between the ages of 17 and 21. You know, there are about 21 million Americans in this age group. Young people who have their whole lives ahead of them. And for those of us who get to present music or art through media or through live performance, many of us agree that we have a responsibility to present art and culture in a way that uplifts and inspires these young people, not creating or recreating art that intentionally mocks their person or heritage, things that are going to create feelings of insecurity and burrow into their psyches, just fester there. Those forces are already out there. But great art is great when it's relevant and when it connects the past to the present more powerfully. That's why it has to continue to evolve. You know, I started this whole discussion talking about being a kid and going with my father up to the corner grocery store, not going to shop, but going to collect trash, trying to beautify our neighborhood. But I'm thinking about this opera and other operas. There's so much in them. And with a few changes, you know, recycling these ideas, who knows what could happen? 
bass Kevin Maynard sings the role of Sarastro in the Magic Flute. He's looked at it a lot throughout his career, and he says it has a lot to offer. I think the Magic Flute is one of the favorite operas for building families. It's, it's a great opera to build families around because of all of the different relationships that go on in the piece. And also, not only the sound of the music, which is utterly gorgeous, it is reflective of the struggles that we encounter today, which is the way life is, you know. There are prejudices and there is racism and there is sexism. And uh, this piece uh, boldly shows this. Here's Sylvia McNair. The universal truth in the magic flute is become a better person. They have to go through trials, Pamina and Tamino. We all have to go through trials. Oh my goodness, we do. But let's make sure at the end of our lives that we have been our best selves. We have done everything we can do. We've given everything we can give to anyone who needs it. Let's make sure we've done that. As music lovers, presenters, and audience members, what does it look like being our best selves in support of the arts? Seems like inclusivity has a lot to do with it. We can do Mozart and William Grant still. We can do Anthony Davis and Puccini and T.J. Anderson and Philip Glass. But I think what's key in all of this is funding those operas in a way that's equitable. Let's just be fair about it. You're listening to Every Voice with Terrence McKnight, a new podcast from WQXR, interrogating the culture of our classical music scene, looking for ways to make it more beautiful for all of us. In our next episode, we delve into Otello, an opera by Giuseppe Verdi. See you next time. This episode of Every Voice with Terrence McKnight was produced by David Norville. Our research team includes Ariel Elizabeth Davis, Pranati Diwakar, Ian George, Jazz Ogist. This episode's sound design and engineering is by Alan Gofinski, and our original music was composed by Mr. Jeremy Thomas. Our project manager is Natalia Ramirez, and our executive producer is Tony Phillips. Elizabeth Nonamaker is the executive producer for WQXR Podcasts, and Ed Yim is the chief content officer at WQXR. And thanks to the Met Archives for invaluable data. This project is supported in part by the National Endowment for the Arts. You can find more information on the web at arts.gov. If you enjoyed this episode, please take the time to rate it and review it and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We listen to Every Voice with Terrence McKnight. Shout out to him and the crew.